Welcome to the Michigan Opportunity, an economic development podcast featuring candid conversations with business leaders across Michigan. You'll hear firsthand accounts from Michigan business leaders and innovators about how the state is driving job growth and business investment, supporting a thriving entrepreneurial ecosystem, building vibrant communities, and helping to attract and retain one of the most diverse and significant workforces in the nation. Hello, I'm your host, Ed Clementi, and uh, welcome to the show. We're very fortunate to have with us today Duke Wynne Abrahamson. She is the Executive Director of the Asian Pacific American Chamber of Commerce. Welcome to the show, Duke. Hi, Ed. Thanks for having me. And I know we've met a few times now, but I think that uh, your organization is one of those really interesting ones. And why don't you sort of tell people quickly what the Asian Pacific American Chamber of Commerce is? Well, APAC will be celebrating 24 years of facilitating meaningful relationships between business owners with Asian heritage and U.S.-based companies and promoting the economic advancement of the Asian American Pacific Islander. Um, Businesses owned by Asian Americans with heritage from China, India, Japan, Korea, Taiwan, the Philippines, and Vietnam, among other countries, Fortune 500 corporations, entrepreneurs, business professionals, cultural organizations and associations, and political and government dignitaries have supported APAC throughout the years and are the reason for our success. Um, APAC is a collective voice for 30-plus Asian and Asian Pacific countries. We are able to do this through our strategic partnerships with Asian cultural associations throughout Michigan and nationally. So, So I don't know what other states are like, right? Is, is Michigan unique because we have a lot of manufacturing, so there might be more Asian? So, like, why do we have 30? <laughs> I didn't know it was that high. Well, that's a collective voice for a multitude of Asian cultures. So we're talking about, you know, there there's different pockets everywhere across Michigan. Um What's very different from Michigan's uh, Asian Chamber of Commerce as compared to maybe California or New York is, yes, you are correct. We are heavily automotive-based manufacturing, imports, exports. You know, not only are we uh, the motor city here in Detroit, but we also are a border state. So we do have a lot of import, exports, and um, manufacturing um, here in Michigan. Yeah, because I remember even... Uh, where I live, there's always was some kind of tier one or tier two Japanese companies, at least nearby where I live, because we're close to a lot of Ford and GM plants. And yes, but also I know that like there's only five councils in Michigan and one of them is from Japan, which, uh, you know, we're fortunate to have, I think. In the yes. State as well. Yes. Uh, yes. Shindo. Yeah, he's wonderful. He is uh, a big advocate for APAC as well. Um, and we do have a pretty large community of Japanese uh, residents here in Michigan. And I do I do believe it has something to do with um, the Japanese companies that are here, such as Denso. Um, I know that there is even a huge Japanese community out in Battle Creek. And you think out in Battle Creek uh, with Kellogg's cereal and corn, uh, but actually there's uh, a lot of uh, Japanese businesses out there as well. That's interesting. I know Denso, we, we've mentioned them on the show before. And we're going to try to get them on as a guest. And I know also Toyota has a large site out in Ann Arbor, too, for R&D, I think, somewhere in York Township, I believe. 
Yes. There's spread out um, all over Michigan, but there is a, a nice pocket in the Novi Farmington area, and there's a nice pocket in um, the Troy area as well, where you can talk about the Grand Rapids and Kalamazoo area and the Battle Creek area. So, you know, we have a, a nice spread throughout Michigan. That's really great. I, I, I'm glad I'm, you told me that because I didn't know all that. And so, like, who are your partners then or who? what other sort of organizations? I'm sure, I, as you know, I used to run a Chamber of Commerce too, and it's hard to do this just on your own. So you probably have some partners you want to mention. Oh, yeah. We we actually have a lot of strategic partners. Uh, we have partnerships with the Detroit Chinese Business Association, the Detroit Chinese Engineers Association, Thai American Association of Michigan, Indo-American Chamber of Commerce, Taiwanese Chamber of Commerce of Greater Detroit, Japanese Business Society of Detroit, Association of Korean American Professionals in Automotive Industry, the Philippines Chamber of Commerce of Michigan, the Vietnamese American Association of Michigan. We're also affiliated with Asian community organizations like um, APIA Vote Association of uh, Chinese Americans, the Chinese Association of Greater Detroit, Council of Asian Pacific Americans, uh, Great Lakes Hmong Association, National Federation of Filipino Americans Association, the Filipino American uh, Community uh, Center of Michigan, and West Michigan uh, Asian American Association. So, wow. I, you know, like I said, we are a collective voice for 30 plus Asian and Asian Pacific countries. For us to do that, we have to have these strategic partners throughout Michigan. That's really wonderful. I didn't know all that and kind of why we do the show, right? So other people can learn about it. And um, even though I might have butchered your name a little bit, you yourself are originally from Vietnam, right? Yes. Yes. I was born in Vietnam uh, in 1975. Yeah. Uh, why don't you tell, because that's a significant year and not ironic that that year happened. Yes. Yeah. Actually, I was born in March of 1975. Uh, five weeks later, uh, the Vietnam War ended. And my dad comes home and tells my mom, pack the kids, we're leaving. Uh, and uh, they ran. They literally ran. They packed my my mom packed two bags, one of food, one of clothes. And then she uh, swaddled me in a uh, blanket and safety pinned me to her shirt. And she ran. And um, while they were running, uh, you know, on the shore, my mom gets pushed over and stampeded over. And uh, she's trying to do a push up to keep me above the water line so that I don't drown. Um, for some some reason, some miracle, my dad uh, hears her, picks her up, puts her on the boat. It's a small fishing boat that fit about um, a thousand people. That's not uh, small. Yeah. yeah, it was it was very small. Um, it, uh, it was not a running boat. It did not work. Uh, the only thing that worked on it was the radio, which the whole time they were uh, sending out SOS signals. Uh, we were very lucky. A uh, ship from Denmark heard our SOS, came and rescued us and took us to a refugee camp in Hong Kong. And from there, we ended up in North Carolina, uh, doing processing paperwork and such. 
And then uh, we were sponsored by St. Vincent de Paul in Detroit uh, and brought to Michigan. And um, Father Thomas was at the time uh, the priest at St. Vincent de Paul. He found us a uh, apartment in uh, Royal Oak. And we had church ladies come by to teach us English. Uh, and uh, they didn't speak Vietnamese. We didn't speak English, but they came over <laughs> to try to teach us anyways. Um, my dad was very lucky to find a job with General Motors. Um, my mom uh, worked very hard and hustled and uh, she became an entrepreneur. She opened up two bridal salons, um, and she struggled. Uh, she struggled a lot. And I grew up as a child of an entrepreneurial parent, and I saw, you know, all the struggles that she was going through and all of the hard works that she went through. And I think my position here with APAC kind of brings me that full circle. Um, my role at APAC uh, allows me to help connect business owners with Asian heritage with resources and creates a community that supports each other. And so how did you, like, what was your path after all of that? I mean, obviously you probably weren't on a traditional path. And I think I told you when we talked on the prep call, I'm like my mom and dad didn't speak English either kind of in the beginning. So, I mean, that's always a bigger hard thing for the first generation of folks. First generation. I, you know, I, I, I don't know if it's hard because this is all I know. Yeah. Um, it's all I know, but I do know that I, as a child was the translator for my parents and my grandparents. Um, you know, there were a lot of things that we went through that, uh, was the first generation. We didn't know what we were doing when we were doing it. I remember applying for, uh, colleges and, uh, one of my teachers told me that I should, uh, be able to check I, that I'm a minority, I had no idea that I was a minority <laughs> and I didn't know what that meant. I really didn't know what that meant. Um, I was lucky enough to go to Wayne State University and um, I, I grew up in a predominantly uh, Caucasian white uh, neighborhood and I was very lucky. I, you know, I had a great circle of friends, very accepting neighborhood and school districts. But when I went to Wayne State University, the diversity there was uh, phenomenal. And I was able to join an organization called AAPN, the Asian Pacific, uh, the, the Asian That's American okay. Professional Network. And okay. that opened up my eyes to uh, the possibilities, the possibilities of finding a community that supports each other and sharing those resources of those um, that first generation of uh, going through and, you know, finding those resources, not just of, oh, you know, translation, but, hey, what do I need to do to get to that next level? What type of internships do I have to uh, do? Um, what connections uh, did I not have in the past that I actually do have that I can uh, tap into. And again, I, I think that that lent me in, the, in a great direction to where I am now um, and provided me skills and opportunities to know what there's lacking out there, what, uh, what this community needs and uh, try to fill that gap. So how did you 
I, I, I don't think we ever discussed, but I don't know how, I don't know how long you've been at the organization, but how did you get to there, I guess? Uh, well, well I, I started off very traditional Asian where I was pre-med and I worked at, <laughs> I worked at Beaumont Hospital and Royal Oak as a nursing assistant. Um, you know, I, I think that the stereotypically the, the three, um, the three areas of study is engineering, medicine, or, um, becoming a lawyer. Um, I, after working at the hospital, I realized that um, patient care was not where I, I, I fit very well. I was very lucky to, uh, to find a job at a small nonprofit organization um, called the Epilepsy Foundation of Michigan back in 2006. And from there, I've been working in nonprofits ever since. You're listening to the Michigan Opportunity, featuring candid conversations with Michigan business leaders on what makes Michigan a leading state to live, work, and play. Listen to more episodes at michiganbusiness.org forward slash podcast. What exactly are some of the things that uh, that the chamber does that uh, the only thing I see is sometimes when you guys have an annual dinner or something, but I'm sure there's things you do all the time. So what are some of the normal, because I know it's probably different than what my, my chamber did, for example. Well, I, I, we, you know, of course, every, I, I think we are, our biggest fundraiser is our annual gala and it is a great time. We have that at MGM Grand in Detroit. Uh, about 600 people are there and it's a fabulous time. Um, but some of the programs that we do that are really important to what we do is our East-West Business Connection. Um, that event is our um, supplier um, meet the buyer. So we invite um, corporate buyers to meet minority-owned businesses, uh, suppliers. And we don't restrict it just to the Asian American Pacific Islander community. We uh, open that up to all minority-owned businesses, and they're able to be there and pitch to corporate buyers, uh, such as you know General Motors, Stellantis, Lear, Magna, um, the big uh, the big three, and the tier ones and the tier twos. But we're also talking about um, being able to pitch to uh, Wayne State University or Comerica Bank. Um, some of the great, uh, we have a great community of um, supplier diversity here in the Detroit and Michigan area where they're seeking minority-owned businesses to fulfill needs within their organization. And I think because of COVID and because of supply chain disruptions, a lot of bigger corporations are uh, filling those needs that they have with minority-owned businesses, and they're finding that what they need to do is diversify uh, the services and the supply chain that they have to make sure that there's that constant so that there's not that disruption, that there's somebody able to step in. And I think in the past, um, you know, there was a big heavy lean on the larger corporations, the larger uh, suppliers, but with everything that has happened in the last four years, there are a lot of uh, organizations, big corporations are finding, yeah, we're going to have that, but we're also going to have these uh, smaller organizations fill in the gaps where we can. And these organizations then grow to become those bigger um, suppliers. Uh, once again, our guest is Duke Wynn Abramson. 
Abrahamson, and uh, she's the executive director for the Asian Pacific American Chamber of Commerce. Um, you kind of touched on my next question already, whether you knew it or not. But what kind of future trends do you see, you know, because obviously you're dealing a lot with international trade and things like that. Uh, what kind of trends do you see from your perspective? There? We we are we deal with a lot of international trade, but we also deal with um, a lot of the small businesses. There's still a need for those small businesses to grow, uh, still a need for uh, resources for these small businesses. So APAC has uh, what we call the Small Business Action Committee, and this committee seeks to develop a variety of value-added education and resource opportunities for small businesses and APAC members. They're working on a workshop for uh, 2024 where you have an opportunity, these entrepreneurs will have opportunities to have one-on-ones with professionals, uh, whether it's an attorney, an accountant, social media experts, or IT experts, to talk to them and kind of um, give them a one-on-one in regards to where they are at in their company and how they can take it to that next level and what they need to do that to grow their business. Um, not only so that, we also, we also have other programs for our, our bigger corporations that might have employee resource groups. So um, uh, this program will facilitate inclusive and collaborative meetings of ERG leaders from APAC members and companies to exchange and effectively uh, collaborate on key ERG um, issues and um, and help stakeholders uh, with um, within the APAC network. Can you help me with ERG? Sorry. ERG is Employee Resource Group. So okay. uh, companies that might have an Asian Employee Resource Group or an, a, a business resource group basically is a community within that corporation. That, that company. So let's say Comerica Bank has a large uh, Asian ERG and they get together and they talk about resources that they have, how they, they can uplift each other, how they might be able to educate uh, within the company and corporation, how they can find resources for each other and mentor each other throughout um, their time at Comerica Bank. So you're you're looking at a minority group that is looking for a community, and within that company, they've created that community for you. Oh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, and APAC is here to facilitate that for those ERG groups where we'd love to connect those ERG leaders within, let's say, Comerica Bank and General Motors and um, Stellantis and Ford and connect those leaders together and share uh, resources and best practices and how to um, uplift each other uh, across corporations. Yeah, in fact, it's funny. The first time we met, or I should say I didn't meet you, you were on a panel, uh, for the U.S. Global Leadership Council, which you're a member and so so am I of. But uh, it's kind of like your message was interesting there, too. And that's sort of what sort of I didn't know. I knew a little bit about the organization, but that's why I'm so glad you could take time to do it today. Um, is there uh, this this next question's a little bit more deeper. It's up to you. If, unless there's something else you wanted to bring up about future trends, I didn't know if you had one more point. I didn't. I couldn't tell. If I, could I you know, I'd I'd love to give some statistics uh, sure, in sure. 
2023, Asians make up 6% of the U.S. population, totaling 21.1 million, uh, with a remarkable 103% growth from 2000 uh, to 2023. We are the fastest growing uh, minority group in the U.S. and in Michigan. And does and I know Michigan, that was always, I remember in the legislature, that was the group that was growing the fastest always. And I know even from my days when I was at Liquor Control, just to get back to your youth, uh, I would often have people's children come and interpret uh, for hearings because, you know, there sometimes wasn't a person that could translate right. you know, their, their language. So it was always across the state. You're absolutely right. I mean, I had people from all different sort of you know, minority and ethnic groups across the state. So it's it's kind of interesting. I'm glad you pointed out all those other ones around the state too. Um, so the question I have is, you're probably one of my more unique guests, probably ever, on the way you came here, for sure. And so what advice would you give your 17-year-old self? Because you had a career that wasn't traditional, that's for sure. You've, you kind of had to work your way through the system here. So yeah. what would you... Would you give your 17 year old? I don't know if you went to a Royal Oak school, but uh. I, I went to, I was very lucky. I went to Birmingham schools. I grew up oh, okay. in the Birmingham School Public District. Um, I think that uh, I, the, the advice that I would give my 17 year old self is uh, don't worry about other people's expectations. Um, there's always expectations uh, coming from a multitude of areas, especially growing up Asian. There's an expectation of uh, you need to become a doctor. Uh, <laughs> I, I, there's a meme out there where it says um, uh, an Asian parent would tell you, I want you to be happy and be a doctor. <laughs> and um, and uh, I, I think that my parents would be very, my parents are very proud of me on where I landed and what I'm doing now. I think that um, I think that any parent there is an they want certain things for their children. They want them to be happy. They want them to be successful. But I, I think also the children growing up now, there will be jobs that we had no idea uh, are available. Um, that would be available. I don't think that this job was a, an opportunity when I was 17. Um, so for me to uh, seek happiness, go find uh, what makes me happy, go towards my passions rather than uh, certain other people's expectations. I, I think uh, I think that that uh, is was my greatest barrier uh, myself. Uh, having expectations that I put on myself that I thought that other people um, had those expectations of me. And uh, no matter where I ended up or what I ended up doing, my parents were proud no matter what I did. So oh, that's a nice story. Good. I'm glad. And, and they still live in the area. Uh, uh, my, my dad lives in Bloomfield Hills and my mom lives in uh, Huntington, Be Huntington beach in California. Oh, okay. Well, your last question is, you've lived here long enough now. What is your, like, what's one of the more favorite things you like to do in Michigan? I think that Michigan is one of those states where you can do everything. There is so much that you can do. We have um, water activities. We have um, snow activities. We have sand dunes. We have hiking trails. We have uh, 
phenomenal greenery and the colors of the fall. So I, I spend a lot of time outdoors and, and doing these activities. And I, I think that certain people, some pictures that I might post, people are like, oh, are you in Colorado? And I'm like, no, <laughs> this is this is Michigan. Uh, welcome to Michigan. So, uh, you know, I do paddle boarding during the summer. I do hiking and I love the smell of the fall leaves and a um, bonfire during the fall. And, you know, I, I do, ha- I have to admit, I, I hide myself inside um, during the <laughs> winter months, uh, which are long, but there are uh, rock climbing gyms um, that I, I, I partake in. So I, I love those activities that keep me um, active all throughout the year. Uh, we'll we'll get you into snowshoeing. Don't worry. <laughs> I I've tried that. I've tried that. <laughs> and I when I was younger, it was so much fun. It was you know you you forget about the cold because you're having so much fun and you know you're exercising and you're heating your own body. But I, I feel like as I get older, I, the cold feels more <laughs> a little bit harder. Well. I want to thank you again. It was uh, Duke Wynn Abramson. Abrahamson. Abrahamson. Son. Very good. And she's the executive director of the Asian Pacific American Chamber of Commerce. And Duke, you did a great job. You covered a lot of bases. Thanks again for uh, doing the podcast today. Thank you for having me, Ed. It was a great time. The Michigan Opportunity is brought to you by the Michigan Economic Development Corporation. Join us and make your mark where it matters. Visit michiganbusiness.org forward slash radio to put your plans in motion.